When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part two of our 2021 offseason review with Nick Spano, co-founder of U Stadium. Yesterday, Nick, we talked about the draft. We talked about free agency. We talked about a variety of different topics from the 2021 offseason. Now I want to ask you about the general manager of the team. Nick, you said that Joe Douglas is the most impressive figure that the Jets have had in a position of authority since Bill Parcells. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. on that thought? Yeah, I think the amount of respect and relationships he's he has around the league. And when, you know, think back to a few years ago with a ta- not a Tannenbaum, because I'll give Tannenbaum some credit. He was, you know, basically he was like God compared to the rest of the guys that we've had here. Idzik, McCagnin, um, Adam Gase, like we've hired some of the worst hires and, and to a point where even the most positive and uh, pro jet guy you can find, couldn't even say a good thing about these guys, but you bring in Douglas and well-respected around the NFL. Um, his staff loves him. The players, he's got respect from veteran winners around the league, the long family. They, they love Joe Douglas, uh, you know, scouts around the league, college, college relationships. I mean, this guy has done it from the, you know, from the, the, the college, you know, the college intern worked his way up, worked with some of the best guys. I mean, who's Mike McCagnin have a relationship with Charlie Casserly, you know, who's Idzik have a relationship with like, who did Adam Gase have a relationship with besides like Peyton Manning. Um, but I mean, I don't even want to start there. He, you know, put him up against some of the, I mean, I know you're not putting him up against the greatest of guys, but Douglas to me outside of a few years from Tannenbaum has already, you know, put his, put his stamp on an off season. Like he just did. I mean, when was the last time the jets have had a, a draft that you're excited about and an off season that you're excited about, like, like legitimately, you know, sit besides for this, this past off season. I mean, I know you kind you, know, you kind of try and like, <clears throat> you know, make anything that the Jets have done. You know, if you're a pro Jet, if you're a Jet fan, you're, you know, you're trying to look for the positives and say, oh, well, this offseason wasn't too bad. Outside of what Tannenbaum did when he brought in, uh, what was that offseason when he had Woody and Fanica? What was that, 2008? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, that offseason was, was looked great on paper, but the drafts wasn't anything good. You know, we had a few, a few good drafts with Mangini. I think he would have been on the, the right track, but he was just very unlikable. <laughs> you know, we, we know the, we know the stories with Mangini. I think he's probably better served in a, uh, like a, an executive role than a coaching role, to be honest with you. But, um, <clears throat> Douglas, to me, since Parcells in 98-99, go through the go through the coaches and GMs, and I, and I don't I don't think it's much of a challenge to find, you know, to have to have the Douglas ranked up there because the the amount of respect around the league, the, again, the relationships we talked about this on past shows, how important that is for a GM in the league, especially in today's game where it's such a player driven league. That if you're a guy who players just do not want to play with, they're not going to play here. Like they they have the power to say, "Hey, I'm not playing for this guy, or I'm not going here. I don't like the, the GM. I don't like the coach." I mean, the only guy who seemed to have a problem with Joe Douglas is Jamal Adams, and that guy has a problem with everybody, including himself. So that guy is a guy who's never going to be happy. Like Odell Beckham, the next place is always the place where he wants to be. So I don't think you can <clears throat> take the Jamal Adams situation. And pin that against Joe Douglas, he would have had a problem with even his own mother, I'm sure. So, uh, but everybody else you come into contact with Joe Douglas, and he just treats people the right way. He builds relationships, and he has an eye for for talent in the draft. Obviously, he's made some of the best picks the Jets have made since the uh, David Harris Revis picks. I mean, and and Brick and Mangold. So, you know, if, if they can come out of the draft and have you know Brick and Mangold starters like. You know that and Vera Tucker and obviously Wilson will will ultimately probably decide Joe Douglas's fate here, but he's doing a damn good job of building around the guy and putting him in a better position than he ever was with with Darnold. So <clears throat> I think the Jets have the right guy in Douglas. I hope they don't. If the season doesn't go as as planned, let's say, I hope they don't start to turn on this guy and just let him play this out. Um, because to me. I mean, what are you going to do? Go try and find another GM to work here. Good luck. Um, we lucked into if, – if if you could take any kind of – anything out of the Adam Gase era is the fact that he pushed McCagnan out and he um, pushed for Douglas. I don't think this was like a plan where Douglas wanted to work for Gase. I thought – I think I, you know, Douglas saw a opportunity to kind of get a six-year deal um, – Woody Johnson or the Johnson family was never shy about paying guys, you know, especially if they're kind of pushed into a corner um, and was able to have a roster where he saw the ability to kind of strip it down and build it up. So <clears throat> the fact that Adam Gase was a, a figurehead here that ultimately opened the path for Douglas um, is something I guess you could take a positive out of. So I just hope they let this guy kind of build it out, let him give him the two, three years without even thinking about it. Um, and let him build this out because I think he's on the right path. Since you brought up Adam Gase, I got to ask you, Nick. I know <laughs> that we've talked a lot about him, but were you surprised that it went this badly? Because I thought it would go poorly, and a lot of us did. Mm-hmm. And I know that at first you actually liked the hire, which you might want to deny mm-hmm. now, but we both know that you no, did it first. So let's talk about this a little bit because I don't think that anybody in their wildest dreams thought that Gase was going to be so bad that there would actually be comparisons to Rich Kotite. I thought if anything, he'd be underwhelming. Maybe they'd have a couple of bad seasons and then he'd be out of here. I didn't think he was going to destroy things the way that he did. I didn't think 
it was going to be this absolutely soul-crushing for so many Jets fans. <laughs> Were you surprised that it wound up this way? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised if it was this bad. I mean, his first year, what were they, like 7-9? Mm-hmm. Um, on paper, like if you just take it away, like 7-9, that's that's a good Jets season for the past few years, right? So, um, But the way they got to 7-9, starting like 0-whatever or 1-whatever, I don't even want to think about those seasons anymore. Just the whole kind of image of him, he's just such a dick. You know, like he's such an unlikable dick that – I didn't think he was that guy, you know, just I knew he had a weird kind of quirky personality. You would think he was kind of like a a football, like offensive savant where like, yeah, he might not be the most personable guy, but he really knows how to coach. Um, And then when you hear those things about the Dolphins, you thought of some of the players who actually spoke out against him and you were like, yeah, these guys are kind of questionable dudes. And then, you know, there's some guys who really, really spoke well of him, um, including some, some legendary coaches like Saban, obviously. Um, so you just kind of were like, well, maybe there's, I blamed a lot of the dolphins loser ownership franchise. Um, and I guess I gave too much credit to the jets who've ultimately have also been a loser franchise for the past decade plus. Um, but man, he was just so, he's just like an obnoxious, like egotistical, like narcissist and, and like completely unlikable, uh, terrible with the media, terrible on game day, um, and, and and had no real vision for what he was doing, and hired such a terrible staff. Like that was, you know, because when you first heard about him and Greg Williams, you're like, all right, this can go really good or really bad, and ultimately it went really bad. There were some really good moments, or I shouldn't say really good, but some moments where you were like, oh, I could see this actually working. You know, some some games where the defense was just like. You know, that was a Greg Williams defense. But, like, Gase hiring the the little dude – I forgot his name, the offensive coordinator. Um, horrible hires. Didn't build a staff. Had no real identity. Was just so miserable, like, in his own way. And didn't get any real looks this year, except for maybe, like, a pity interview at Alabama from Saban, right? Um, it was just, like – I thought he was going to be able to come – because I, I liked Gase a lot the last round of interviews, I forgot when that was, when he, when he got hired by the dolphins in 2017 or 18, I thought that this guy was going to be like the next young offensive minded guy. So when I saw his name available, I didn't go into that, that off season in 2019, whatever it was saying, Gase is the guy, like you have to hire the gate your Gase. But when it got down to like him and McCarthy and I forgot who else was around, I was like, yeah, I definitely prefer Gase over these guys. Like I want this young you know, I got suckered into like where the league was going, right? With the young offensive minded guys. I just didn't think this guy was such a dick that this was how it's going to play out. Um, <clears throat> so ultimately I guess that was as fooled as Chris Johnson was too, you know, f- buying into the interview. And um, I thought he would have helped Arnold and I thought Greg Williams would have helped Arnold obviously in practice and in camps and kind of letting him see a very aggressive defense, but ultimately it probably hurt Arnold because you know, Williams was probably just like, I could imagine kind of the, we didn't get to see the practices in the summer of last year. Obviously I went to, I think one training camp in 2019 when Greg Williams was coaching the defense and didn't really see too much, you know, too much. I'm sure they do a lot more when, when fans aren't there, but um, none of it worked and it was just such a combustible situation. And ultimately like it did obviously. Um, But, you know, you look at his seven and nine record, definitely not, 
even close to one of the worst in Jets history, but the following last season felt just like the absolute worst year. And even the, the, the two wins that they had were just terrible. Um, so man, it was just such a long, forgettable, unlikable season. And the team was unlikable and the coaching staff was, and it was just, I hope it's something where we can just, cause it wasn't the worst season in Jets history. Because like, let's say they did go. And I guess, again, this is one positive you could take about it. If they did go in 16, you would have heard about Adam Gates forever. And we would have to relive it in five, 10, 15 years, 20 years when we hire another, if we hire another bad coach, which I'm sure we will, every team does. Um, you'll just have to keep hearing about Adam Gase. Hopefully now, like he didn't, he went two and 14, terrible year or whatever. Hopefully we just never have to hear about the guy ever again. And we can just kind of move on from that. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk a little bit about the guy that wasn't here to make the Adam Gase decision because you mentioned how it was Christopher Johnson who did it. Woody Johnson returns from his ambassadorship overseas in England. What are your thoughts on Woody coming back? Positive, negative, somewhere in between? I mean, I just want the Johnsons gone completely. Like, I just I pray for the day the Jets are sold like the Mets just were and they move out of the out of Met life and you know, come back to New York somewhere and have their own stadium. And I mean, it probably will never happen. Um, so I'll never speak positively of the Johnsons. I just, I just don't like them, man. Like, I just don't have a good feeling about them. I don't have a good vibe. They give me these strange, like lizard like personality. They're just strange people. Um, I, I wish we had new owners, but I will say, I think I do prefer Woody in charge than Christopher. So I guess if you have to make me pick one of these guys, I would say it's more positive than having Christopher Johnson here because man, that guy had no clue. And what he was, what he did in two years was like, like a, a bull in a China house, man. He just wrecked this entire thing that wasn't good in the first place, but man, he just made it even worse with the, with the hires, some of the decisions, the uniforms, any, and I know whatever their uniforms, but I mean, it's just a terrible look. Um, he just, man, he was just bad. But uh, not that Woody is any better. I just hope this guy at his age realizes, let me not say a word, even though he's saying a lot. But he's saying a lot of, like, interesting things on Twitter. I think his Twitter game has been better for sure. Um, some of the stuff he's posting is cool. But I just hope he stays out of these guys' way, opens the checkbook when, when he's asked, doesn't doesn't question it. Uh, gets somebody in charge, gets these uniforms changed, and maybe thinks about getting out of the MetLife lease in a few years. That's all I want from the guy. I don't need to have Mark Cuban. I don't need to have, I don't know, who's another famous owner. Just just get the fuck out of the way. That's it. That's <laughs> all and whatever. And then hopefully in 15 years when the Johnsons are gone, we could sell the team and somebody else will buy it and get us out of there. Just sign the checks, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all that's all we ask right now. Sign the checks and just go watch like the rest of us. So heading into the season as we get ready for training camp, what are your thoughts on what the reasonable expectations for the team should be? And also, are there any areas where you think Joe Douglas might have messed up or where he could make a move still to improve this roster before the start of the season? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the the view uh, is positive for, for the first time. I think going into last year, you were just very nervous and you knew it was a big year for Darnold. I think that is 
go on. I think you hit the reset button. I think you've put enough pieces in place together where you can have a very competitive team. And I think, like I was saying, you know, with Salah, there is a – the team has something now. It's not just a Jets rollover where you're like, whatever. I think there's some kind of image. I think they have something to them where they're going to be a competitive team. They're going to be fast. They're going to be aggressive. The offense should be exciting. Um, <clears throat> you know, you want to see, obviously, Zach Wilson improve. Not improve, but, you know, develop. Um, you want to see these young kids, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore. You want to see Denzel Mims. I know he hasn't had the greatest of springs, but we'll see. Um, hopefully he's healthy now and can have a healthy camp. Um, you want to see Corey Davis. Like all these receivers on the field at the same time will be fun to watch because they have five deep, talented receivers. And then you have a decent guy in Berrios who's solid depth. He had a great spring. I don't think he's anything to hold your hat on, but um, solid NFL-capable receiver, I would say. Good depth. Uh, offensive line you're really excited about <clears throat> running backs, you know, outside of Carter, maybe what Ty Johnson, you can say, uh, you know, maybe you want to see something from Tevin Coleman will kind of just be your one year veteran, you know, guy back there who will just bring some experience with the system and help some of these young guys develop. I'm sure he'll play earlier in the season, but I'm sure by the time week eight or so comes along, it'll be mostly, <clears throat> you know, the three young kids. Um, I think, the tight end spot to, to your question about where I think they can improve the tight end position. I don't feel good about, I, I am not, I'm done with Chris Herndon. Um, I don't last year. I went in kind of holding out hope that he was going to develop. I just don't think he has what it takes above the shoulders. Um, so cross is kind of going to be your guy who you rely on. Maybe you get something out of the undrafted guy in your bow in, in, in the summer. Um, that would be great. And then, Obviously, cornerback is a spot we're going to watch all summer. That's going to be the, you know, in camp, you know, that's going to be the number one, well, besides for the the quarterback, is going to be the number one situation to watch. Um, So I'm sure there'll be some, like, roster gymnastics there. Uh, And then something that not many people, well, I'm sure actually the Jeff fans are sick in the head, so I'm sure it is something they're talking about. But kicker, I think the two guys they have are terrible. Um, Sam Ficken is awful. they need to find a kicker, sign somebody, watch one of these teams like uh, the Buccaneers. They 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 have uh, they have a kick a veteran kicker, and then they also have the the kid from Miami who you love. So maybe one of those guys shake free, and you pick up mm-hmm. one of them. But I think the kicker is terrible, and, and it's been terrible for a few years. So that's going to be a position that they probably need to upgrade. So I would say tight end, corner, and kicker are the three really pretty bad spots. Um. And then you have like, you know, they, they want some of these young kids to play the linebacker spot. And obviously in Salah's defense, it's a little bit, you know, it's not your traditional uh, 4-3 defense. So he's going to be doing a lot of different things. So I'm not too, too worried about that. I'm actually excited about seeing LaMarcus Joyner on this defense. He's one of the guys I think is going to have like a sneaky good year. And this year there's a few guys on one-year deals that you want to keep around. Whereas in the past you were like, oh, whatever, these guys are on one-year deals. But like Joyner or Moses – um, you know, these guys are guys who you can keep around for a few more years and, and be, you know, solid middle of the roster starters or, you know, contributors for you on a good team, not just a, uh, a young team that you're hoping to, to compete with, uh, to, you know, develop and grow. Um, these are actually good football players on a good team. So I think cornerback again, to wrap it up is a spot that they'll probably be keeping an eye on all summer. If the first week or so of training camp doesn't go well, 
Um, maybe the first preseason game, two preseason games doesn't go well. Uh, they'll look in the summer to probably add somebody. I don't think this is the cornerback group you're going to go in with. I just don't think they're going to add a, a high-priced guy. Um, so it might just be a younger player with – I wish I had a name for you, but a younger player with experience either with Ulbrich or Sala um, on a team that's played NFL minutes but is going to get you know cut for whatever reason um, on cut-down day or throughout the summer. You know, maybe they, they bring in a guy like that and he can play. But I think they're going to really ride out with Bless Austin and, and um, Bryce Hall and, and see what they have there and try and kind of make that work, you know, or, or make things around them work so that they don't look as bad or they don't get attacked as much. But I'm sure teams are going to go in and see that see those corners and, and salivate. But, you know, you got to hope that the, the pressure is there and they can be as aggressive and fast as they are, as they look on paper. So, uh, but that, those are the spots I'd watch. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Would you be surprised if they cut Herndon, if he has a bad summer? Not in the least. I think everything's going to be on the table, especially with a coaching staff and a front office that has no ties to Chris Herndon. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what he does. If he doesn't perform, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him cut. But Nick, based on everything you just talked about and everything we've talked about throughout all of this, what are your reasonable expectations for the Jets this season? And what are your reasonable expectations for Zach Wilson and some of the younger players? Yeah, I mean, the, the word is compete, right? Like, we've been so non-competitive the past few years. We haven't played a meaningful game in five-plus years. Um, just compete and, and play well into the winter and, you know, post-Thanksgiving, have some games that matter, you know? Like, at least, you know, at least play play well in these games – I don't expect them to win double-digit games. Would it shock me if they win seven, eight, or nine? No, because I think there's some soft spots on the schedule, and I think um, you know they they they've definitely improved. And if Zach Wilson, you know, I think I don't think he's going to have like some hardcore struggles like we we saw Darnold go through. I just think he's a quick learner. I think he's um, I think everything he does is fast. You know, and that's that's what I take out take from him and I think he fits in a system that's fast like like Shanahan and, and LaFleur so that it's like such a, a perfect seam seamless fit that I think he's going to pick up I don't think he's going to come and like blow the league open like Herbert did last year but I think he's going to come in and he's not going to really look like a rookie every week where Darnold you were watching into year three the guy looks like a rookie in the middle of year three I, I think he's going to play within the system. I think they're going to really want to run the ball a lot and, and run behind this offensive line. Um, and he's going to be you know, able to make some big plays. They have some good receivers. So I don't expect him. I don't expect a lot of turnovers. I don't, I don't expect a massive learning curve where some people did with him. I think he's going to look average at point or look, you know, like he's not there yet, but I think he's going to make a lot of big plays and I think he's going to be an aggressive player. Um, so he's going to bring a lot of excitement. I don't want to put like numbers or stats or interceptions or touchdowns on him because what the hell, who cares what I think about that? Um, but I do think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to win a, a decent amount of games. I think like six, seven wins is, is definitely, you know, maybe even the floor I would say is five wins. I think this team is good enough to win at least five games and, and the ceiling is nine. Uh, so anything in between there wouldn't surprise me. So I expect like a seven win season and, you know, some improvements at, at these key positions like quarterback and see some of the young players play well and 
Um, there's a few players that you really put the season on, you know, besides for the quarterback. And, um, you know, obviously like Carl Lawson is going to be huge. CJ Mosley is going to be huge. Um, I think a guy like Sheldon Rankins is going to be important. You know, if he can, he can really make the D, the interior of the D line from a really good group into like the best group. If he's who he is and, you know, if he's healthy, I think he just adds such a massive piece to that line. I love that pickup. Um, and then on offense, I think if like, you know, obviously Corey Davis is, is important, but I think if Mims becomes a receiver that we think he can be, I think that adds a dimension. He brings something to the, the receiver group that no other receiver does. Like he has that number one receiver potential where I don't think Corey Davis does. Corey Davis is going to be a solid number two. You know who Corey Davis is, but I think Mims brings an extra element if he's, you know, healthy and if he's in the game. Cause to me, sometimes, and I don't want to be like judgmental of a player to me, sometimes I, I really wonder if he wants to be great or if he really loves playing yet. And I love the pick and I really like the player. So I'm hoping this coaching staff can get that out of him. Um, so like, I want to see him be really good because he has such great potential that we just don't have on the roster. Like I know everybody loves Elijah Moore and what he brings to the table, but he doesn't bring the, how can I say? It? I mean, I think you you want to think he can have that like Antonio Brown like number one receiver potential, which obviously would be massive. But I think Mims just has that extra ability that if we get the most out of him, is a huge huge part 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 of you know next year of becoming you know what could be a fun and good offense into becoming actually a great offense. So uh, those are a few guys that I'll I'll watch closely throughout the summer and into the season that can neither be a you know, a nice team or actually a team that competes for a wild card spot. So um, that's all. I, I just want like competitive every week where you're like excited to watch it because I mean, you, we spoke about this, like, and we're two fans who just like live and die with the team and wouldn't miss a play. I couldn't care less about them. Like there were weeks in, in November, December where I was, I wasn't watching them. Like I, I put them on casually, you know, even in bad seasons, you would watch every single play. There were parts last year I just couldn't bear. Like I don't know if it was COVID and no fans in such a weird year, um, but there were times I just did not want to watch it. it. It was more of a hassle to like sit there and watch the team than anything. So I just hope we have never have a season like that again. And um, I just want to see a competitive team that that has an identity. You know what you know what they're going to play. You know how they're going to play, um, and you know that they're going to play sixty minutes and, and play tough. So that's my expectations, and I think Salah is a guy you know, ultimately will coach his team to that expectation, I guess you can say. Um, and that's just, I guess, what I expect from them, you know, in 2021. Nick Spano, co-founder, U Stadium. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts on the 2021 offseason with me. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to stay in the loop, I know it's a slow period right now, but there's a little fun stuff going on, moves. You guys are doing some polls and things like that. Little interactive things over at U Stadium, and if you want to get involved, you got to do one thing, right, Nick? Download the app. That's right. Download it. Turn the notifications on. Like like Scott said, it is a you know we're we're kind of in the middle of the slow part. I think we're actually leaning towards getting almost back into it. I know three weeks from Thursday is when you know the first teams will report to training camp, and then. You know, you know how fast the summer goes, right? Like after the Fourth of July, it feels like the summer is kicked into heart, you know, to to like overdrive and 
before you blink, we're going to be in the preseason. But yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of like season previews soon. And uh, our fantasy draft kit will be out in July at some point. So you want to turn on notifications for that and follow us all at U Stadium on all of the, the platforms. And um, make sure to watch uh, the Play Like a Jet Live. Obviously, the shows will be ramping up again towards the season here. So yeah, it's slow now, but you know, before, you know, like I said, before you can blink, we'll be, uh, we'll be gearing up. Like you said, Nick, part of you stadium is watching the live show every Wednesday night, play like a jet live with Luke Grant and Clayton Smarslock. So make sure you do that. In addition to downloading the app and make sure that you check out everything we're doing at play like a jet.com and the play like a jet YouTube channel. Luke Grant has been putting up some fantastic content lately. A lot of good Morgan Moses videos, some clips of him against TJ Watt and Shaq Barrett plus a whole primer using all 22 film of Morgan Moses being a dominant run blocker. It's all there right now if you want to learn about Morgan Moses, plus breakdowns of Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, and so much more. It's all on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do so. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and Play Like a Jet. Dot com.